0: came to my rescue from the grave I've been raised when I needed a savior to save me Jesus you made a way I was blind but these eyes have been open. now I walk in the light every step on this road I will follow Jesus you made The following message was recorded by The Way Embraer. Lead pastor, Von Jarrett, has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The waste production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. Jesus, you are the way. Jesus, the only way. So, uh... When I read Megan's text message, she texted us in the morning, I got like halfway through it and I just began to, to weep uncontrollably. It's a very long message, I just got halfway up, put the phone down, I just started crying, couldn't stop. And I, was, I had my headphones on, I was listening to this song, but you know when you're listening to music and you're not really paying attention. So I started paying attention and it was at the very end of the song. It says, you're almost home now. Please don't quit now. I didn't feel like I was gonna quit, but many of us have been in that place where you don't know how close you are to giving up on things, and even this morning, as you hear different people testifying about what God's doing in their lives. (sighs) So when I put the phone down and I was weeping, I was crying, kind of like what Megan said, it was not because the dream was what I felt like was prophetic and very encouraging to me personally or to my wife personally, I was crying because I knew that God wanted to show me that he saw me right then and right there in that very moment. And he wanted to tell me that he loves me. There's nothing like that feeling. There's a lot of feelings in this world. There's a lot of feelings in the church. But when God comes and he says, I see you right now, right now where you are and I love you, there's nothing like it. So the two things that I saw or felt that God was teaching me that I want to share with you guys about that, that testimony and what Megan did. Number one is to set aside time for God. So two weeks ago, I had a pastor friend call me and he said, uh, or he sent me a message about these things that were going on and this vote that was going to be happening. He said, hey, you need to sign this petition. And it was only that night, though, it was 11 o'clock at night, and it had already it needed to be signed and, and sent in so that the people were going to vote on this thing. You could officially be part of the petition that went to them. And I told uh, my friend, I said, hey, man, I've got to get ahead of these things. You know, I got it tonight, and I, there's just so many things happening, and I just want to get ahead of it. So... <clears throat> Last week, the same friend of mine, he invited me to meet with some Orange County pastors, and he said uh, there's a particular pastor that, that really focuses on what's going on politically and how it affects the church and how it affects Christians and how it affects our kids and schools and all this stuff. He says, hey, the meeting's on Thursday at 8 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and I prayed about it, and I said... Last week I said I want to get ahead of this and this week now I have an opportunity and I knew like everything else in our walk with God that when you say you want to do something, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. God's going to give you an opportunity, but some things are going to, you're going to lose something, you to have to change something. So I, uh, I changed my work schedule and I said, hey, I'm going to go to this thing on Thursday at 8 to be there with these, uh, with these pastors. And Wednesday night, as Megan said, it was kind of crazy. It ran late. We were, we were here late. God was moving. A lot was going on. Uh, got home late, and I said, tomorrow morning, though, I want to wake up, and I want to read. I don't want to just sleep in. I want to wake up. I want to read. I want to spend that time with, with God. So I got up like I normally do, 345 in the morning. I was in your Belinda at Denny's by 445 in the morning, and I was reading. The meeting wasn't going to be till, till 8 o'clock. So at 6.49, I have it marked here, is when my phone goes off and I get this text message from, uh, from Megan. So here's the point. I could have been home sleeping because I didn't have to go to LAX that morning. I could have been at LAX because I didn't have to go meet with these pastors. <laughs> but I did. I set aside this time to focus 100% on God. And I felt like God was saying, now I can send you this message that I've been wanting to get to you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, He's always ready, but the truth is we're not ready. In hindsight, I feel like God was putting these feelers out, like how's he going to respond to this text? How's he going to respond to this invitation? Is he going to sleep in or is he going to get up? Is he going to go to work and say, hey, the right thing to do is to go to work early? And God's putting these feelers out, and I think that as I was responding the way he wanted me to, he's like, now I know right where you're going to be. You're going to be two hours into reading and worshiping, and this message is going to come, and you're going to be able to receive it. I feel like, amen, I feel like if I was anywhere else doing what I would typically be doing, um, it wouldn't have impacted me the way that it did. I wouldn't have been doing anything wrong, and I'm not telling any of you here this morning that you're doing anything wrong. But sometimes the good things can, can get in the way of the God things. I didn't care who saw me crying at Denny's. I was crying worse than I am now, blowing boogers all over the place. There's stuff all over the table. And people are coming in. By this time, it's seven something. Denny's is packed. <laughs> I got my headphones on. There's just tears and boogers. <laughs> it was crazy. Even when I paid the bill, and it would've been cool if like, you had a, like, a woman waitress, you know what I mean? Because she could've been like, emotionally like, okay with that. I had this dude that kept like, kind of walking by, like trying not to look at me in the eyes. So when I got up to pay and I had all my stuff out, he even asked me, he's like, hey man, are you okay? And I said, brother, there's nothing like the love of God. And I gave him a flyer for the church, and he was like, oh, I get it. And he took it and went on his way, you know? So number one, set aside time for God, church. And number two, Pray for the what and let God be in control of the how. Honestly, I'd been waiting and even demanding that something like that dream would be given to someone in this church. And that when it was given to them, I would receive encouragement by it. The problem is, is that I was telling God who I wanted it to come from. God, you've got to give people vision. You've got to give people dreams. You've got to make people see who this is. And this is the person. These are the people that I want to get that dream. And then I want them to come and tell me that they got the dream and they see the vision and I'll be encouraged by it. It sounds crazy, but I've realized that we all do that. And then we discount and ignore the ones that God is choosing to speak to us through. When I stopped crying and I began to reflect on what was happening, number one, I repented, and then I thank God for Megan, and then I thank God for Zach, and then I thank God for their marriage, and then I thank God for their family, and then I thank God that they never quit, and then I thank God that they read and pray and they seek God and that they overcome, because I was thinking to myself, "Oh Lord, what if none of that had to happen? I'm looking at a week's worth of time that got me to this particular Denny's at this particular time. But what you've been doing in their lives has been a lot longer than that. Amen. Then I ask God, you're going to give this woman a dream? She says he never had any dream like that before in her life. I said, God, who am I and who is Mary that we would be a part of something so special that you want to give to this person? And when you finally give her a dream, it's about this church and it's about us. We don't deserve that. God told me, don't choose who the dreams are going to come through. If the people that you're looking for to be the encouragers in your life, the people that you're looking for to be the supporters in your life, the people that you're looking for to be the help in your life, if they're not that, don't condemn them, but don't wait on them either. Many of us are praying and demanding, God, do this and use this person. Do this, do this. We don't have to condemn them for not being that, but we don't have to wait on them either. I want you guys to begin to pray. <coughs> the Lord has that encouragement for you. And what we need to be praying is, Lord, we know who you are. And we know you want to give that to us. So we don't care who you bring it through. Amen. We're ready for it. And we're ready to, and willing to receive it. Amen. How many times, I wonder, has God been trying to give that to me? But I was saying, no, Lord, this is who I wanted to come from. he reminded me that I'm seen he reminded me that I'm loved and all of you need to be reminded this morning you are seen and you are loved by God we can look at our lives we can look at our efforts and we can say what I have and what I do is just a drop in the ocean at 10 years of this church being here we are a small drop in the ocean that is the church the worldwide global church right we're just a small drop in it But I heard a quote this week that changed my life forever. So hopefully you listen and it'll change your life. Mother Teresa said something along these lines. She said, what we do is a drop in the ocean, but the ocean is made up of drops. When I heard what she said, it just, I'm telling you, There's these moments, just like my moment in Denny's, where you know your life has changed. She said, I know what we do is just a drop in the ocean, but the ocean is made up of drops. There are many drops out there, but there's only one you. Your drop is unique and your drop matters to God. Our church, I believe, has been tenured, it's been established, and though there are many churches in the world, there's only one the way. Our drop is important to all the other drops, as well, that make up the whole ocean of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning that you are not just speaking to pastors and preachers and teachers, Lord God. You're not just speaking to leaders and worshipers and children's church directors, Lord God, and those with titles, Lord. The only title you care about is saved. You speak to your people, you love your people, you have grace and you have mercy upon your people, Lord. You say that we are uh, not condemned, that we've been forgiven, that we've been set free, and that your mercy and grace that they are enduring in our lives, Lord God. When we feel as if we're falling short, when we feel as if we're not seen, when we feel as if we've failed, Lord God, remind us who you are and what your word says about us about what our destiny is. You say that you have uh, a future for us and a hope for us, that you have purpose for us, Lord God. I pray that you would meet each and every one of your sons and daughters here in this place, Lord God, and that they would feel your all-consuming love. We sang this morning that you can do more in a moment than other lovers could in a lifetime, Lord God, and I can testify to that just in this very week, one moment that changed my life forever, Lord God. I believe that you have those moments for each and every person in this room this morning, Lord. I pray that they would hear your voice, that you would go into their hearts this morning and do your work. We love you. We thank you. We need you now more than ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So I'm going to try to be on it this morning, because I know we had a lot of testimonies and took a lot of time, but I do have a message I believe that is going to help you guys, going to encourage you guys this morning. The title of this 10-year week number two message is A Drop in the Ocean. A Drop in the Ocean. So the song that we listened to said, you've got your reasons, but I hold your peace. You've been on lockdown, but I hold the keys. That beginning of the song is saying, we all have a reason why we don't come to God. We all have a reason why we we hold that drop, and instead of bringing it to the Lord, we say, no, you know what? It's it's not all that valuable. It's not going to really do anything. And God says, listen, I know you've got a reason, but I hold your peace. You've got to come to me. You may not know this, but you've been on lockdown, and I've got the keys. (laughs) We discount or we waste our drop. And it doesn't matter what your reason is this morning, it always leads to the same place and that place is not a place of peace and it's not a place of freedom. That's only found when we bring our drop to Jesus. You take this drop that, that represents your life <clears throat> and instead of wasting it, you bring it to Jesus and you know what he says? I'll turn your water into wine. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yesterday, Mary sent me a song and it's called New Wine and I was reviewing today's message and it came and reminded me that jesus is turning the water of our lives into the wine of communion right you may be only a drop in the ocean but if you take that drop and you bring it to the lord he says thank you for bringing it to me i'll turn that water into the wine of communion it's just the water of your life but i can make it the wine of communion that's the first miracle that the people saw jesus do right it was a wedding They were out of wine. He said, bring me the water, fill up the pots with water, and then I'll turn them into wine, right? In our lives, it's the same kind of thing. He says, now you are married to me. You are the bride. If you bring me your water, I'll turn it into the wine of communion. We've got to trust God. We've got to bring it to him. So the first point this morning is your drop matters. Say "My my drop. Say my drop. Matters. 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 Amen. This is John chapter 6, verse 1. It says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed, on those who were diseased. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where should we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place. So the men sat down in the number of about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up, filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. So I love this story, and many of us have heard this one and some of the others that are similar to it in the Word. And typically, I like to focus on how Jesus multiplied the food, but he still used the disciples to distribute it. See, on Wednesday night, like Megan was talking about, we talked about authority, and we talked about leadership, we talked about discipleship, and how God says, look, I'm going to put these people between you and me at least for a season of your life, and they are going to be the ones that deliver the gifts to you. I mean, you see it here with Jesus, right? He has all the food. He multiplied all the food, and he's God. He could have distributed it to everybody himself, but he says, no, these 12 are going to be the go-between between between what I have for you and what you're able to receive. I also like to talk about how the disciples had to feed the people first, and then they could eat. Say first. Say Say, "First." first. So the disciples, they're hungry, too. They've been serving too. They've been at the Special Olympics for eight hours too. (laughs) And they don't get to eat. First, they have to take all this food and they have to serve the other people. What it really means to be a disciple of Christ is that you focus on feeding others and you have faith to believe that you will never starve. Don't call yourself a disciple of Christ if you're more focused on you eating than others eating. Disciples of Christ feed others first, and they have faith that they'll never starve. They might miss a meal or two, but they will not starve. The Bible says that they will not be found begging for food. That's right. Amen. And then look at this. When they're done feeding the others, there's 12 baskets of food left over. Coincidentally, there's 12 disciples. (laughs) God has enough for us. Somebody say amen. Amen. But today, instead of focusing on those things, I want to shift the focus to another part of the story. I have a question for you guys. How many of you, when I read through that story, you saw the oceans and the seas in the story? That's not really what draws our focus and our attention, is it? First, there was the Sea of Galilee. Then there was the Sea of Tiberias. I've been to those places, by the way. It's amazing. You should set aside some time and save a few dollars and go to Israel. Then there was the sea of people who were following Jesus and they were hoping to see a miracle, (laughs) right? It says there's thousands of them and they're following him, a sea of people, and they want to see a miracle. Then there's this small lad, it says, and he's just a drop in that sea of people. And it says that he has five loaves of bread and two fish, and those are just a drop in the sea of hunger. There's 5,000 men, plus women, plus children. You're talking at least 10, 15, possibly 20,000 or more people. And there's this little lad with five loaves of bread and two fish. It's just a drop in that sea of hunger. Here's the moral to the story. Your drop matters (laughs) in the sea of needs that are yet to be met. Listen. In the world that we live in, there is a sea of needs that have not been met yet and your drop matters. (laughs) Your loaves and your fish in the hands of Jesus can change so many lives. But you have to be willing to surrender them and test them and develop them. RJ got up here and he said, the word I've been feeling all week is what? Surrender. Surrender. Look, he may only have Five loaves of bread and two fish, but he surrenders them and he puts them in the hands of Jesus. They can't just be surrendered. They have to be tested and they have to be developed. And then God will use that to meet the needs of others. We have to have childlike faith. This lad was willing to see what Jesus could do with what he had. Only children think like that. Adults say, I see the problem and I see what I have and the math doesn't work out so I ain't going to do nothing but childlike face says, look, Jesus, (laughs) I got some some bread and some fish. Let's see what you can do with it. Most of us spend our lives saying, it wouldn't make that much of a difference anyway, so I might as well not even try. Why why should I go to Special Olympics? (laughs) What's another men's fellowship gonna do for me? What's another prayer service on a Friday? I mean, come on. It's not going to make that much of a difference. I'm not even going to try. Your drop matters. Your drop matters. See, if you try to end world hunger, (laughs) there's probably (laughs) some truth to the fact that you're going to be frustrated. But if you try to feed one hungry person, I guarantee your drop matters. I guarantee that the person that got to eat that day, that meal, it mattered to them. Today, we're going to go out outreaching. And are we going to save the world? Probably not. But what if one person goes to heaven instead of hell because you decided to put a flyer on somebody's car or to knock on somebody's door? See, are you trying to save the world and saying your drop doesn't matter? Are you saying, man, Lord, you might be able to use me for just one? People may look at the church and say, again, it's just a drop, and it doesn't mean that much. But when we got saved, Mary and I said, listen, we will go out and spend the rest of our lives preaching about Jesus if one person will get saved and not have to go to hell, but to receive what we've received, which is eternal life. So when somebody looks and says, man, that's not much, I say, did you hear the testimonies? Do you see what God is doing? Mm -hmm. Jesus says, I'll leave the 99 for one. Your drop matters. There's something else important in this story. When it comes to that sea of impact, who's having the most impact in the world? Who are the Greg Glories of the world, right? Who's having the most impact? Who are the Joyce Myers of the world? We like to turn our attention to the Pauls, right? And the Peters and the Johns. And, and he's laying on the breast of Jesus. He's a disciple that Jesus loves. And he gives these revelations of these heavenly things, Right? But there's a little drop in this story that we can't overlook. Verse 8 and 9 of John 6 says, one of his disciples, Andrew. Say, Andrew. Andrew. Say, Andrew. Andrew. (laughs) You've now said it more than you ever have in your life. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to Jesus, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, But what are they among so many? Andrew is only specifically talked about twice in all the scriptures. There's other lists where his name is listed with all the other disciples, but only twice in the whole Bible do you specifically hear a story about Andrew. You know what they were? One, he's bringing Peter to Jesus. He meets Jesus first. He says, I got to go get my brother. He gets Peter. Peter, you got to meet him. We found the Messiah, it's Jesus. And we know what happens in Peter's life. And the other time, what is he doing? He's got this little boy and he's saying, hey, let me take you to Jesus. The only two times you find him, what is he doing? Bringing people to Jesus. You don't hear anything about him, but look at what happens in the lives of those that he brought to Jesus and how they were used. Most people couldn't tell you anything about Andrew. <laughs> but man, his drop matters, doesn't it? So listen, when Andrew says this, I think he says it in a condescending way. I want you to think back now. So Andrew comes up and he says, hey, there's a lad here, Jesus. He has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Right. So imagine this story. Your parents know that you're struggling. You're married. You got kids. They know you're struggling. Right? So, so your mom and dad, they get together. They say, listen, here's what we're going to do. They, they need money. They need groceries. They go to Rouse, and they buy a $500 gift card, and then they invite you over to dinner with you and all your crazy kids. So you're there having dinner, and then, and then your mom just says, hey, you know, by the way, we have this gift card. It's $500 to Ralph's. and to be honest with you, we don't like Rouse. We don't like shopping there. We don't like the people there, and the closest one to us is way too far. We're not even going to go. Baby, do you think that maybe you guys and your family could use this? While they're talking, they know you're going to snatch up that gift card, and you know how good you feel inside. You're like, oh, God, you know we need groceries. Yes, Mom. Yes, Dad. I want that gift card, and I'm going to use that to meet my family's need. In the sea of ignorance and the sea of fear, the disciples are all around Jesus, and they're saying, listen, we don't have enough money. There's too many people. Even if we had a ton of money, you know, we don't even, we don't, you don't even give us any money. But even if we had a ton of money, we couldn't give everybody here even a little bit. And they're just negative and saying what they can't do and how they're not going to be able to do it. And you know what I believe? That while 11 of them were doing that, Andrew was like, man, who else can I bring to Christ? Who else is out here? I'm going to do my drop thing. (laughs) And my drop brings people to Christ. And he finds this little boy with a little bit of fish. And I think that's how he says it. Like a mom or dad who says, hey, guys, I've got this gift card. And if you want to use it, you could use it. I think that's what he says when he comes up to Jesus. He's like, hey, I got this little boy, you know, and. He's got some fish and some bread, and I don't know what that's gonna do for all these people, but he knows that Jesus is gonna snatch up that boy, snatch up that fish, snatch up that bread. He's gonna bless that boy, and then he's gonna meet the needs of all these people. The same way that a parent knows that their child is gonna snatch up that gift card and use it to meet the need, Andrew knows Jesus, and he knows the value of his drop, and he knows, man, the Lord's gonna snatch this up and do something crazy. Are you a drop that knows your value? Are you a drop that knows your Savior? Or are you a drop that's whining and complaining instead of turning into wine? (laughs) Proverbs 11.30 says, he who wins souls is wise. How much time have you been thinking about winning souls this week? Let's be honest. How much time have you been thinking about how can I introduce somebody to Jesus I mean, I heard a woman get up here just a few minutes ago and she says, I can't wait to do something I love and I've gone back to school and it's so hard when I'm married and I have these two kids and all this stuff is going on, but I can't wait to do what I love, which is lay hands on people and pray for them and share the love of God and the word of God, whether they know it or not. That's somebody who is thinking about winning souls. You see what I'm saying? It's not. In Matthew 14, 18, Jesus says, bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. Do their eyebrows for three years, but in the process, bring them here to me. (laughs) Right? Have lunch with them. Play basketball with them for 10 years, but in the process, bring them here to me. That doesn't mean that you beat them over the head with the Bible every time you see them and say, look what I did, Jesus. You see that bruise on the side of their head? I got them. That's not what it means. What it means is I'm playing basketball with these guys for 10 years. And when I know something's going on, hey, man, if you just want to talk and grab some coffee, let's talk and grab some coffee. And then same way, pray for them for the 20 minutes before you go and pray for them for the 20 minutes after you go. And one day God's going to open a door and you're going to drop your drop on it. And it's going to turn into wine. Amen. <laughs> Verse 14 and 15 says about the people. When they had seen the sign that Jesus did, multiplying his food, right? They said, this is truly the prophet. He's coming to the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. So think about this for a second. You have a drop of a forgotten disciple that nobody thinks about, nobody talks about, nobody loves and says, that's my favorite disciple. He's just a small drop and he's forgotten about. And then you've got this drop of a little boy who really, nobody knows his name even. He's not going to be important. And what happens? Jesus uses that as the platform to do something in the lives of a sea of people. And then what what did they want? They wanted to make him king. Isn't it crazy to think that your drop in the ocean could cause people to want to make Jesus king? Think about that for a second. You're just a drop, but your drop in the ocean could cause people to say, I want to make Jesus king. That blows my mind. Your drop matters. Number two this morning, you are not the unstoppable drop. (laughs) Say that again. Number one, your drop matters. But number two, you are not the unstoppable drop. Every now and then, your drop's going to fall on stony ground. Every now and then, you're going to say, I got my drop. And I'm going to go quench somebody's thirst. And then, dang, I dropped my drop. (laughs) (laughs) Every now and then, like we'll be at the house sometimes. And you'll see that little bottle of water on on the counter. And maybe you don't want to drink it, but you also don't want the balls to be sitting there. And what do you do? You open it up and you throw it in the the drain. Every now and then, you drop your drop in the drain. You could have at least poured it in the grass or poured it on the flower and it would have done something, right? Every now and then, we just waste our drop. That's not enough to even quench my thirst. Let me just throw it down the sink. You're not the unstoppable drop. You're not always going to do it right. God would tell you this morning, though, do not dwell on those days. Get up and do something with your drop today and don't worry about being perfect. You might have wasted a drop yesterday. You might have intentionally thrown it down the drain, right? You might have not even considered its value, but get over it. You don't have to be the unstoppable drop. Do something with your drop today. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not and they are new Every morning. You may have wasted your drop yesterday. You may have wasted your drop last month. You you may have been wasting your drop for the last five years. And you know what God says? Because I'm so merciful, your your drop is not consumed. It's not like you wasted it and it's done. He says, you wake up in the morning at 6 o'clock and you run downstairs to make coffee for your husband like Megan. (laughs) And then, Lord... I got another drop. Think about that for a second. You could have yesterday said, man, forget this drop, and I don't care. It's just a drop of the ocean. It ain't going to make no difference. And you could be acting like that day after day, and then you wake up in the morning, and God's like, got another drop for you. That's what it means to be tenured. That's what it means to be established. No matter what we did yesterday, We wake up and God says, I got another drop for you. He says, just bring it to me. I'll turn it into wine. I'll turn it into wine. Just bring it to me. So listen, the song that we listened to halfway through, it says, as you run, what hindered love will only become part of the story. Such a good song. (laughs) And I'm so glad that it just happened to be on when I got that text message. And she's seeing it. She says, oh, as you run, what hindered love will only become part of the story. What that means is as you're running and you're spilling drops and you're wasting drops and you're doing stupid stuff with your drops and you're watering things that should not be watered like weeds in your life. You know what I'm saying? Saying as you run, all those things that had consequences and hindered the love of God from coming into your life, at some point, they'll just become part of the story. That's not the end of the story. It's just part of the story. Our story is one of victory and redemption and hope. Amen. But you got to keep running. Amen. Maybe today some of you will write the chapter in your story that's titled, When I Stopped Wasting My Drop. Imagine, I hear some paper ruffling right now. Imagine if you're really writing your story this morning and you write the chapter title, When I Stopped Wasting My Drop. Maybe some of you will write the chapter this morning that says, when he turned my water into wine. Maybe some of you will write the chapter titled, when my drop introduced a friend to the king. What a chapter. What a chapter, right? Imagine writing that. I remember when I thought my drop was nothing. It was just a drop in the ocean. And then my drop turned a friend and introduced him to the king. And he said, I wanna make him king of my life. Oh, what a good chapter that is. Here's another one. Maybe some of you will write the chapter in your story that says, when my drop caused the ocean to rise. See, we we can't see that, but please believe me, God sees it. The ocean's made up of drops. When we talk about baptism, when we talk about somebody being added to the body of Christ, that's what God is talking about. He's saying, look, there's something here now that was not here before. When your drop gets added to the ocean of believers in the body of Christ, God says, oh, it's risen. <laughs> there's more now here than there was before. You know, there's only one line in the song that she sang but didn't pop up on the words. Anybody know what it was? So all the words were up there, all the lines were up there, but there was a line in the song that she sang, but it didn't pop up on the screen. You know what it was? It said, keep on becoming. I feel like those words are the words from Jesus that we have to try so hard to hear because the world is trying so hard to keep us from hearing it. I think it's prophetic that it was not up there and none of us remembered because that's probably the word that we needed to hear the most. Oh, as you run, what hindered love is only part of the story, which means you have to keep on becoming, keep on becoming, keep on seeking. Jesus is not mad at us when we aren't what we're supposed to be. He's mad when we stop becoming what we're supposed to be. See, we wake up today and we say, he's got to be disappointed in me. I had a conversation on Friday. How many of us like to go home early on Fridays? Anybody? Praise God. And this dude wanted to talk to me. I'm like, dude, it's Friday. Let's talk Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Call me at home. (laughs) It's Friday, like 1 o'clock already. And he comes into my office and and we start talking. But we start talking about Jesus. And I'm like, man, got to use my drop. (laughs) I want to drink my drop right now. I don't want to pour it on you. So he comes to my office and we start talking about Jesus. And all he was telling me is about, I've done so much. And I like doing the wrong things. And I know that I shouldn't, but I just, I can't do church and I can't do God because I don't want to stop and I don't want to change, even though I know I should. And I really am starting to believe in Jesus. And he was struggling so hard. And I'm like, listen, man, every single person who has come to God came exactly like you are. If you wait to change, please believe me, you'll be waiting forever. I told him the woman at the well, when he met her, he knew that she was an adulteress. He knew that she had six husbands. He knew that he was she was shacked up with the man that she was with right then there. And he didn't tell her, go get yourself right. He was just trying to say, listen, bring your drop to me. Bring your drop to me. We had this long conversation and then it reminded me of this. We do the same thing as Christians. We think God's mad at us because we're not who we're supposed to be. He's like, listen, I have all of eternity. Just keep on becoming. Keep on becoming. Hebrews 2.11 says, He who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. If you are being sanctified, that means you ain't there yet, and you still fall short, and you still waste your drop from time to time. And he says, I'm not ashamed of you. I know you're in process. So listen, you are not the unstoppable drop, but you have to keep on becoming. John 6, 16. Same chapter, the story goes on from the little boy and his fish. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got into a boat. They went over to the sea toward Capernaum, or Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they ate bread, after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats, and they came to Capernaum asking or seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and you were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes. But for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent. So I want you to look at the progression of becoming. Keep on becoming, keep on becoming. These people realized, they ate all this food, and they realized Jesus got across the sea without a boat. But they didn't really care about that. They just wanted another meal. That's what Jesus is saying to him, or to all these people. Listen, you guys got into boats, and you came all the way over here, thousands of people. Not because you know that I can do things that nobody else can do, and I can walk on water, and I can get across the sea without a boat. You came because you're thinking, man, if you could do that, you could probably give me another meal. Jesus says there's two types of meals, earthly temporary meals and heavenly eternal meals. He says, you've begun to come to me because you know I have something for you, but you got to keep on becoming. Don't just keep coming to me for the next meal. What can you fix? What can you change? What can you help me with? What can you deliver to me? He says, keep on becoming. I'm trying to transform you. I want you to look at this story from the disciples' perspective. If you read all the Gospels, you see that Jesus is walking on the water. Their boat is about to sink. It's crashing. There's waves everywhere. They're terrified. They're scared. Jesus is coming. They think he's a ghost. They're scared of him. But they take the next step in their faith. They keep on becoming who Jesus is trying to turn them into. They say, come into the boat. Yes, I'm afraid. Yes, I think I'm going to die. Yes, I'm not even sure it's you who's coming to me. Right? Like Megan said, she woke up and said, let me pray and make sure this is God. But once I realize it's you coming into the boat, Peter even says, I'll take a further step, but I'll step out of the boat. I'll put my drop in the ocean. I'm going to keep on becoming. And then verse 21 says this. When they willingly received him into the boat, immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. It leads me to the last point that I have for you guys this morning. But the song said, what hindered love has only become part of the story. What hindered love in the beginning was their fear and their faithlessness. But the end of the story is they welcome Jesus into their fear. They welcome Jesus into their faithlessness. And then immediately they end up where they were going. I walked into Denny's on Thursday morning, (laughs) and I was in a sinking boat. Like it had holes in it. I didn't even know it was sinking, but it was sinking. That's how I walked into Denny's. A few hours later, I walk out, and I'm no longer even on a boat. I'm on Jesus Island. Everywhere I go, I just see Jesus. Everywhere I go, I just feel Jesus. And it's like, what happened? You kept on becoming. See, you immediately get to the destination you were going. You get there faster, but you have to keep on growing, keep on becoming who he set us out to be. You're not the unstoppable drop, but in the hands of Jesus. I'll say it biblically for you, since you're not the unstoppable drop is not really scriptural. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. He says, your drop can't do anything if it's just a normal manly or womanly drop, but with me, I can do anything I want with it. I can feed thousands. I can save your family and your friends. We can look and be honest today, this morning and say, man, you know what? Vanessa's awesome right now, but she's 12. And I don't, let's see what she looks like at 18. Man, keep your nonsense with you. That's right. I believe that with God, all things are possible. She can be more on fire for God at 18 than she is at 12. And I believe the same thing for my children. And if you don't believe that, when we stretch our hands out, please keep your hands down. Because we don't want what you have and what you're sending out there. I believe that our drops can be unstoppable because they're in the hands of Jesus. Last one. Number one, your drop matters. Number two, you are not the unstoppable drop. And number three, you're almost there. You're almost there. The song said, you're almost home now. Please don't quit now. If we knew how close we were, we would never even think about quitting. Pastor Allen shared a couple Wednesdays ago on his tenure message, and he said that he heard a theologian talk about the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is, is weeping and he's, and he's sweating drops of blood and he's asking the disciples to pray and he said three times, Lord, there's got to be another way, there's got to be another way. The scriptures say that angels were sent to minister to him and Pastor Allen said that he, he read that a theologian said that maybe the angels gave him a vision of how many of us were going to put our faith in him after the cross. Imagine, he's literally less than a day away from the cross and he's terrified. He's anxious. He's human. So he's scared. And then he gets this vision. Please don't quit now. You're almost there. Look at what's ahead of you. This one's name is Vaughn. This one's name is Ray. This one is is Liz. Look, look, you got, don't quit. You're almost there. Look what's going to be in heaven because of this next few hours of your life. See, when most of us picture Jesus and he's like, God, please, is there another way? Is there another way? But not my will, but your will. And God's silent, right? And then Jesus is walking around. Why will not you guys pray with me? I'm hurting. Like I said earlier, right? He's almost demanding of God. Wake these guys up. Make these guys pray. These are the three that I brought. Make them pray. And God says, that's not where the encouragement is going to come from. (laughs) And God's silent though, right? And then Jesus is again, God, please, there's got to be another way. There's got to be another way. But, it, but not my will, your will. But this week, I see it differently. I don't think Jesus, I don't think the father was quiet and silent. I think the father was saying to his son, you're almost home now. Please don't quit now. Can you hear the father saying that to Jesus? He knows it's, it's literally minutes away. And Jesus is struggling, and the, and the Father from heaven says, Son, you're almost home now. Please don't quit now. On Thursday, when I got Megan's text, and I heard that song, I was not listening to Megan, and I was not listening to Stephanie Gretzinger from Bethel. <laughs> I didn't hear their voices. I heard Jesus saying to me, Son you're almost home now. Please don't quit now. See, I've got 50 or maybe 60 more years on earth, but you know what, to Jesus, it's like a second or two. Somebody ever tell you you're almost there and you're like, no, I'm not. (laughs) I got a long way to go, but Jesus is like that. I'm like, man, I got 50 or 60 more years to go. He's like, man, it's but a breath, it's a vapor. You're almost home, please don't quit now. The rest of my life, and the rest of your life, please receive this, we're almost done this morning. I won't put this on you, I'm gonna tell you what God told me. The rest of my life, the next 50 or 60 years, is like the Passion Week. Okay, listen, it's just the Passion Week. It's not 50 or 60 years, it's that last week of Jesus' life. And in that last week of Jesus' life, what happened? He had meals with his friends and his disciples, they laughed and they talked and they ate, he washed feet and served people. He flipped tables in the church and taught in the church. He cried and he sweat blood and he prayed and he wept. He was in agony. He had this full range of emotion, but it was only that last week before his glorification, right? His crucifixion, his resurrection, and his glorification. The next 50 or 60 years of my life, it's just the Passion Week. I'm gonna have times of joy and laughter and meals and friendship and fellowship, but I'm also gonna have moments of agony and pain, and loneliness, and worry, and fear. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. When I cry, the Lord cries with me. When I laugh and I have joy, the Lord laughs with me. When Simon the Cyrenian comes and helps Jesus carry his cross, right? Jesus is carrying the cross and and it's too heavy for him, literally. And this man, Simon the Cyrenian, one of my favorite people in all the Bible, he was not ready to carry the cross, but he comes beside Jesus and he carries the cross. And I know this line is only from the movie and it's not in the scriptures, but man, what a good line. You know what he says to him? You're almost there. Watch the passion again. Simon comes to him and he picks him up and he's like you're almost there. Imagine somebody telling you, it's not exciting. What is he saying? You're almost to the cross where you can be crucified. He says, "Don't quit, man. You're almost there." When Jesus comes to you and me in our times of need, he does not say, "Quit." And he does not say, "You know what? This is too much for you." He doesn't say, "I don't even know why you're bearing this." You know what he says? I've been where you are, literally, I've been where you are, you're almost there, don't quit. Wouldn't it be nice if the Father made a way of escape for Jesus, and then in every situation in our lives, Jesus just makes a way of escape for us, but that's not the reality. What he says is, this is your cross to bear, but don't worry, you're almost there. It seems like 50 or 60 years, but it's just the Passion Week. You've got to get to the cross. Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but he was in all points tempted as we are, but without sin. He's not a coach that yells at you, you can do it, like your pastor, right? You can serve, you can do it, you can give, you can help, you can go to events, stop crying, you can do it. He's also not really like Simon the Cyrenian either, though. Simon the Cyrenian comes alongside Jesus, picks up Jesus, picks up the cross, and he helps him carry that. Here's the last vision for you guys as we close. This is the vision God gave me um, for what Jesus does is he doesn't say, you can do it. He doesn't come alongside of you, right, and say, look, man, get up. I'm going to help you, and I'm going to carry you. I'm going to carry your cross. He says, listen, I'm in you. We can do it. We are almost there. Please don't quit now. You're almost there. So every day in your life, every day in my life moving forward, that's what I want to picture is that when I get ready to bear the burdens of this life, that he's inside of me and he's lifting my arms. He's taking the steps with me. I'm not alone. I'm never alone. He says, we're almost home now. Please don't quit now. I've been here before. I know the way to the cross. That's where I'm taking you. We're going to make it. Keep on becoming. John 14, 1. This is the scripture of our church. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus says. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and you know the way. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way. I go to prepare a place, and it took me to Calvary, and it took me to the cross. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and get you. And you know where you have to go? To Calvary and to the cross. He gets inside of us. He says, let's go. Please don't quit now. You're almost home now. This is where I'm taking you. He says, you know the way. Now I want you to listen to what he says to those who do not bring their drop to him. And they don't continue to become what he wants them to be. This is the next chapter, John 7, to the other folks. Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks, teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he said, you'll seek me and not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, they said, Truly, this is the prophet, Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? To one group, he says, you'll seek me, but you will not find me, because where I am, you cannot come. And to the other group, he says, where I go, you know, and the way you know. It's so simple. If you bring that drop to me, and I turn it into wine and I have communion with me. You will seek me, you will find me, and I will show you the way. If you keep that drop and you say it has no worth, it has no value, it's not gonna make any difference, I'm gonna use it or I'm gonna waste it, whatever decision you make, he says, you will seek me and you will not find me, and where I go, you cannot come. Say, my drop, my drop matters. matters. Say, my drop, my drop matters. matters. Stand with me. Stand with me this morning. Hang on. So this morning, I'm going to let this song play in just a second. Let it play a couple times, matter of fact. And uh, I believe that God's going to do something special at the altar. But before we get there, (laughs) we have to decide... Or we all have to make a decision about our drop. If you're here this morning, but you're not saved, first thing I want to tell you is please don't be afraid. Everybody that's saved here was right where you are this morning at some point. They were in the presence of God and they weren't saved. They had never really given their life to Jesus. Everybody that he saved, when he did it, they were completely in their sin. That's what I was trying to tell my coworker this week, that he finds us all in the same place that that he was in on Friday. But here's another thing about Jesus. He always saves on a single day, and he always saves in a single moment. There's no process of salvation. It's a moment in time where you say, I want to be saved and I want to be forgiven. And he says, right now, at this moment, you are. Only question for all of us who are here is, is today your day? Is this moment your moment? If you're here and it doesn't matter what everybody else is saying or what everybody else has gone through in their life, all that matters is your life in this moment. If you're here and you're not saved, could you raise your hand so I could see you if you want to be saved? Is there anybody? He says, look, amen, I see you. Today's your day, man. Anybody else? You want to be saved and you want to know it and you want it to be confirmed. We all come filthy, wretched sinners. And in one moment, he says, you're changed. Anybody else before we move on? You're so close. You're at the feet of the cross. Anybody else? Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So the song that we sing is going to say, I saw it all and I still chose the cross. You were the one I saw when I rose from the grave. I hope that, uh, that he saves you. If, if we're doing this time of prayer and doing this time of worship and that's you, you can just grab a hold of me and say that you want to give your life to Jesus and we'll pray together. For the rest of us who are already saved this morning, if there's anything this morning that touched you and you feel God speaking to you, I'm going to open the altars. I'm going to pray and open the altars here in just a second. But here's what I want to tell you. When God met me at Denny's on Thursday morning, it was because I set aside time to give him 100% of my focus. I wasn't expecting a word from God. I was just going to read, but it was my devotion to God, if that makes sense, right? So the same, I believe, can happen for many of you this morning. You came here to give your devotion to God, to give 100% of your attention to him. And I believe this, if you would come to the altar... If you would come and say, Lord, here I am and I set this time aside, I believe that he has something for you. I don't know what it is or how it's going to come or the voice that it's going to be spoken to you through, but I believe he has it for you. So I hope that you would come and I hope that you would pray and I hope that you would have faith. As you come, I want you to picture yourself like the little lad. You're coming up here with your drop and it may look like five loaves of bread and two fish and it ain't going to make a difference, but I promise you God can do something with your drop. So we're going to pray and then we're going to just have a time of worship. You can come to the altar. Lord, I thank you for being who you are. I thank you that you still meet people. I thank you for all of the intricacies and how you connect us, Lord. I wonder if this young woman, when she wrote that song and when she sang that song, I wonder if she knew that her drop was going to quench my thirst. I wonder if the the gentleman who invited me to a pastor's event knew that his drop was going to position me to receive the bread of life in a fresh and new way that day, Lord God. I wonder if the young lady that woke up and got a dream from you and got a vision from you and could have kept it to herself, I wonder if she knew that that drop was going to wash me with your love that morning. But I know that you knew, God. There are many here this morning who want you And the truth is, we have no idea what you're orchestrating and why you're doing it or how you're doing it, Lord. But we cannot deny the feeling when you come in and you tell us, I see you, I know you, and I love you. I pray that you would do that for your people here in this place this morning, God. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The altars are open. You can pray, you can worship. came to my rescue from the grave I've been raised when I needed a savior to save me. Jesus you made a way